Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to Tesla's Q4 2020 Financial Results and Q&A webcast. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And that was not the smoothest transition <laughs> that I've ever done for these earning calls. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm recording this on Friday at 9 o'clock at night. And, uh, yeah, sometimes I work on those little edits in the beginning for hours. And I, I, I don't think I'm going to do that this time. I'm trying to get the show out on time is really what I'm trying to do. But I am excited. This is my favorite time of year. We get to do this four times plus whatever special events that Tesla has. But we get to kind of hear from Tesla what's going on, what they're up to. And unfortunately, you know, Elon kind of stays on script, I guess, now. He doesn't go off on tangents and reveal stuff he's not supposed to or get mad or anything like that. So they're not as exciting as they used to be when I first started doing this podcast, but they're still pretty fun to do. So. Just a little disclaimer, we're going to jump right into this, but I have not actually listened to the earnings call yet. Usually what I will do is I will listen to the entire call, I will chop it up, and then I will make notes. Like I said, it's 9 o'clock at night, the kids are at home with school, there was all sorts of other things that needed to be done here at the house. So we're going to listen to it together. I will cut out all the unnecessary parts uh, like I usually do. But I am really excited to go through this. And, oh, you know what? Before we start, the Model S and the Model X got the refresh. We got to see them. The exterior from pictures that I can see, that it looks a little sportier, but doesn't look that much different to, to my eyes. And again, you know, just looking through the pictures. But the interior, holy cow. This makes me very excited for the Cybertruck when it comes out. The interior is sleek and elegant. It just looks really good. This this car is possibly the most expensive video game you will ever buy. See, so starting at what did they start at? Like eighty thousand dollars for the Model X and seventy thousand dollars for the Model S. Starting at that price, you can play high end video games on your car with a controller. It's got the cool uh, airplane style steering wheel. 
It's got a more Model 3-ish, although more elegant, center console screen. It still has that uh, instrument cluster behind the steering wheel. The interior looks fantastic. There's three colors to choose from, beige, white, and black. There's a screen in the back uh, so the kids in the back can be playing video games while you're driving, although it's not a very big screen. Let's see what else. Uh, they have wireless chargers in the front and the backs. Uh, this car, the interior of this car, the, the update makes this car look premium again because it was really starting to get dated. What are we, like 10 years or something like that on the old design? So, yeah, this it, it looks really good. I priced one out. I mean, I can't afford one, but I priced one out. I priced out the Model S and with everything that I would like on it, and, you know, need to have necessities. Like, I think it needs to be black because the Model S in black looks really good. I would need those arachnoid reels. And I would need, what else would I need? The beige interior and full self-driving. That puts me just under $100,000 for the Model S. And same thing for the Model X, although I didn't go with the arachnoid wheels or the black because I like the Model X in white with just their standard wheels. Uh, that put me just over a hundred thousand dollars with full self-driving. So of course, you know, obviously <laughs> that's a dream, but it's a, it's my dream. All right. That's enough of that nonsense. Let's get back to the earnings call. In our first clip, we are going to listen to Elon's opening remarks. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. Just to recap the year, uh, 2020 was a defining year for us on many levels. Despite a challenging environment, we reached an important milestone of producing and delivering half a million cars. Uh, I'd just like to, uh, once again, thank the people at Tesla for an incredible effort. Uh, we, we delivered uh, almost as many cars last year as we produced in our entire history. Uh, so really uh, an incredible uh, growth rate uh, and, and despite a very challenging uh, 2020. So when, when my hat is off. Uh, it's such an honor to work with such great people at, at, at Tesla. So... Um, and for the year, we, so we achieved free cash flow of nearly $2.8 billion after spending more than $3 billion on building new factories and other expenditures. Uh, we reached industry-leading gap operating margin in addition to positive net income and record cash flow. Regarding capacity expansion, um, we, we, while we focused on execution, we continue to build a lot of new capacity. We started producing the Model Y out of Fremont and have almost reached full production speed. We ramped the Model 3 in Shanghai. It's more than 5,000 cars a week sustainably, uh, and Shanghai continues to grow uh, rapidly. We introduced the heat pump to all of our vehicles. We ramped the single-piece – we started and rails ramped to, to uh, volume uh, production uh, at the single-piece castings for Model Y. This is where, uh, for the first time in history, the entire rear third skeleton of the, of the car is being cast as a single-piece in the largest and most advanced casting machine ever made. Uh, we built a Model Y factory in China from start to finish in one year. We're also building Giga Berlin and Giga Texas, which we expect to start production later this year. And lastly, we built a, um, a, cell, a, a battery cell uh, factory in the Bay Area. Uh, and this, even though it is a pilot plant, it is, its capacity is um, large enough that it would be in the probably the top 10 uh, battery cell factories on Earth, despite being a pilot plant. Uh, regarding the new Model X, S and X, um, we are launching the, we're super excited to announce the new Model S and Model X Plaid uh, or, or, 
are in production now and will be delivered in February. So we've, we've been able to bring forward the, the Plaid uh, Model S and X, and uh, so Model S will be delivered in February and Model X a little later. The Model S Plaid, in, we're actually in production now and we'll be, we'll be delivering uh, next month. Uh, so this is a tri-motor uh, Model S with a completely new interior. Uh, there, there are actually a lot of great things about this. I'll do another call about the, the Model S later, uh, but uh, it, it's really um, a, a tremendous uh, improvement um, over the prior version. Uh, and the Model S will be the first, this Model S title will be the first production car ever that is able to go zero to 60 miles an hour in under two seconds. So no, no production car ever has been able to get below two seconds, zero to 60. This is a, a, a luxury sedan that is able to go zero to 60 uh, in less than two seconds. Uh, and uh, we'll have the ability to seat up to seven people with the, the third row uh, seats. So this is pretty nuts. This is faster, to be clear, than any car. This, it's not like there was a different type of car, like a two-door sports car that was able to do better faster than this. This is the fastest accelerating car ever made for that is allowed to go on roads in history. Um, and like I said, we'll start delivering it in, in a matter of weeks. Uh, and, just, you know, the, the, and like I said, we'll, I'll, I'll do something that gets into the details of all the Model S changes um, uh, maybe later this week or next. Uh, but it, it's it's really better in, in, in many ways. Uh, we'll be, we will be actually raising the price of Model S uh, for this new model. So people who bought the old model, the, the new model will be $10,000 more. So hopefully people aren't too upset if they bought the old model last month, but this one's 10K more. Um, so, yeah, we think it's probably the best car of any kind at any price available in the world today. Then with regard to full self-driving, um, we've made massive progress on full self-driving. If I recommend watching the videos of our, uh, our public beta. So we've got, I think, almost a thousand people in the, in the beta at this point. And uh, it, with each successive release of the beta of the FSD software, it just gets, it's really improving uh, rapidly. Uh, it's now, it's not very common for, um, you know, I, I drive the latest builds. It's very common for me to have no interventions uh, on drives that I do, including drives to places I've never been to. So these, these are not pre-planned routes. They're cars, the car's never been there before. And it, it, it's, it's more common than not for the car to have no interventions, even on a complex drive. Basically, I'm highly confident the car will drive itself with the reliability in excess of human this year. Uh, this is a very big deal. And, and, and thinking about, like, you know, how does one justify the value of the company being where it is. And I think there is a way, just with back of the envelope map, to potentially justify it uh, where, you know, if Tesla ships, let's say, hypothetically, um, 50 or $60 billion worth of vehicles, and those vehicles become full self-driving and can be used in a robo-taxi, uh, used as robo-taxis, their utility uh, increases from an average of 12 hours a week to potentially an average of 60 hours a week uh, if, they're, um, if they're they're capable of serving as a robot taxi. So that, that's like roughly a 5x uh, increase in utility. Um, but but, but let's, if, even if you 
say like, okay, well, let's just assume that the car becomes twice as useful as, uh, it, it, not, not five times useful, but merely twice as useful. That would be a, a doubling again of the revenue of the company, um, which is you know, almost entirely um, gross margin. So it would mean, it would be like, okay, if you made $50 billion worth of cars, it would be like having $50 billion of incremental profit, basically, from that, because it's, a soft, it's just software. So, um, and if, if there were the case, then yeah, if you do 20 PE on that, it's like a trillion dollars, um, and the company's still in high growth mode. So I think there is a way to sort of like, you know, justify the valuation of the company where it is uh, using just the cars and nothing else. Uh, cars with FSD. And I, 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 I suspect at least some number of investors are uh, taking that approach. So in, in conclusion, um, well, 2020 was a turning point for Tesla and in terms of uh, profitability. Uh, we believe this is just the beginning. Uh, we think 2021 is going to be uh, even more exciting and, and, you know, you don't know what to expect in a given year, obviously. <laughs> Last year, we did not, there were many, many things we did not expect. Um, but assuming that 21 is a relatively normal year from an external standpoint, um, I think we're, it's going to be a great year. We've got a ton of, you know, many great new products coming out. Uh, we've got factories that are um, advanced factories that are start up production. It will also make it easier having a factory in Berlin, one in, in Texas that can, just from a logistics standpoint, in Texas can help supply the eastern half of the U.S. and uh, Berlin can help supply Europe. Um, and there's just fewer cars on boats, uh, much less capital tied up you know, with the cars that are you know, on boats or going, uh, being transported to customers. Uh, and I think the fundamental efficiency of the company um, will be much better uh, w with the factories, at least having factories on, on each continent and having two factories in the U.S. So I'm, I'm super excited about the future. Um, and, uh, yeah, really look forward to making it happen. Thank you. All right. First, I love that he thanks the team first and foremost. He absolutely should because they're the ones getting the, the work done. So they deserve the thanks. They delivered almost as many cars in 2020 as they did in the entire history of Tesla. That is insane. Uh, some other insane stuff is the 5,000 Model 3s per week at Shanghai. That's really good. The single cast of the Model Y rear end, he talked about that. The battery cell factory pilot plant in the top 10, I think we've heard that before. He talked a little bit about the Model S and Model X. I'm really excited, honestly, to hear what he has to say about the Model S and Model X, and I'm guessing that's going to be this weekend because it didn't happen this week, or the next week, excuse me, because it didn't happen this week. But I didn't see that the Model or Model S would fit up to seven people in the vehicle. That's interesting. I do think the $10,000 price increase is justified, which is weird because usually I'm like, price increase, let's keep the prices affordable. But in this case, they did enough. I think it's probably justified. And then he talked about RoboTaxi, which I know a lot of people are looking forward to and waiting to hear more information on. And hopefully we'll hear something else in later in the, the earnings call that kind of gives us a little bit more of a heads up on the RoboTaxi stuff. He did say full self-driving uh, is coming along really well. Almost no interventions on the latest beta, which is great. That's awesome. Um, let's listen to Zach Kirkhorn. He's going to give a little financial update. He is the CFO of Tesla. 
Um, as Elon mentioned, 2020 has been an extremely successful year while managing through many unforeseen and unexpected challenges. On cash, we continue to generate strong free cash flows, reaching a record $1.9 billion in Q4, alongside growth and investment for future programs. Additionally, we've been able to reduce our use of debt and various working capital lines, including settling $2 billion of convertible debt in Q4, which will continue into Q1. For net income, we achieved our first calendar year and six sequential quarters of profitability. In addition, auto gross margin excluding credits improved from 2019 to 2020 despite reductions in ASP and inefficiencies from new product launches and transitions. On Q4 specifically, this was a noisy quarter, so let's unpack a few things. Stock-based comp increased, part of which is driven by the rise of the stock price over the course of our 2020 employee performance grant process, and a portion of which is unique to Q4 only. The impact of SBC increases is seen um, across both COGS as well as operating expenses. Automotive gross margin in Q4 was primarily impacted by two things. First, we invested in improving our products built in Fremont, including converting over to the new Model S and Model X, launching the single-piece castings on Model Y, and introducing heat pump on Model 3. Second, logistics and labor costs were impacted due to supply chain instability and pandemic inefficiencies. Adjusting for items such as these, as we do in our internal management views, we saw an improvement in auto gross margin. Our services and other P&L was impacted by many of the same factors just mentioned, including onboarding costs associated with new service capacity. However, what's most important here is that we've accelerated the growth in service capacity and will continue to drive capacity expansion as fast as possible. On energy gross margin, we saw an impact from solar roof-related ramp costs and typical seasonality in the lease PPA business. OPEX as a percentage of revenue continues to reduce despite impacts from items mentioned, as well as increased investment in development of future products. Finally, the early settlement of our convertible notes resulted in an additional $100 million of interest expense for the quarter. All that being said, nothing has changed about our view that operating margin will continue to grow and remain industry-leading. As we look forward, 2021 may be our most meaningful step forward yet, as we see the benefits of long-standing investments in capacity and technology. The range of possible outcomes this year is wide, given the magnitude of launches. That's a few things we should keep in mind. We continue to expect a long-term volume CAGR of 50%, of which we may materially exceed this in 2021. As we increase production rates, volumes will skew towards the second half of the year and ramp inefficiencies will be a part of this year's story and are necessary to achieve our long-term goals. Specifically for Q1, our volumes will have the benefit of early Model Y ramp in Shanghai. However, S and X production will be low due to the transition to the newly re-architected products. Additionally, we're working extremely hard to manage through the global semiconductor shortage as well as port capacity, which may have a temporary impact. We will continue to invest heavily in supercharging and service capacity while driving reductions on cost, including OPEX as a percentage of revenue. Global demand continues to outpace production, and we're moving as quickly as we can with a focus on the long term. I look forward to providing updates on progress throughout the year. All right. As always, I leave that financial stuff in because I know we have a lot of investors who listen to the show because I am not really versed in the financial world of business. I don't have a lot to comment on that other than it sounds like they're kind of getting their financial house in order, even continue to improve processes. Um, 
both internally and with their suppliers through the pandemic, that kind of thing. Our next segment is the question and answer part of the conference call. This is the Say Technologies part of the conference call where people write in and then Tesla picks some of these questions and Elon and the team answer them. And the first question is about solar and Tesla's position in the market. And I actually think it's a pretty good question. Uh, what is currently holding Tesla back from being the market share leader in solar? Yeah, so uh, we're actually seeing tremendous growth in solar uh, quarter over quarter last year. And um, we had uh, our best quarter since, I think, 2018 in Q4. So we, we, we do actually expect to become the market share leader in solar and, and then go far beyond that. Um, it's, uh, you know, fortunately, we, there were a few years there where we, we, we had to devote the whole company to uh, Model 3 production um, and, uh, you know, and, and you know, building. It, it just, it, we have to basically take the whole company, including a bunch of people that were, were on solar, uh, and have work on cars. But now, uh, we, now that we've got a little, little bandwidth, we're putting a lot of attention on solar, and it is growing rapidly. So I think it will not be long before Tesla is by far the market leader in, in solar. Another really important part of the solar strategy is uh, achieving an industry-leading cost structure, which then allows us to have industry-leading pricing. And so that's something that uh, that we've accomplished over the last year in terms of getting the cost structure in the place that it needs to be. Uh, and you know, as you all mentioned, this is a really important part with industry-leading pricing to become the leader in the space. Yeah, and actually an important part is... Um, Achieving better integration between the Tesla Powerwall and the Tesla Retrofit Solar and Tesla Roof, um, and we're confident we'll have excellent integration, uh, excellent excellent integration with the um, the Powerwall and, and and Tesla Solar, whether it's Retrofit or um, the the Tesla Solar Class Roof um, before the end of the year. So it's it's really I think we've got a good strategy. Uh, as Zach mentioned, we're um, we're focused on reducing the amount of time and the complexity of the install, and we're making great progress in that regard. Um, and I think we'll, we'll have something that's really dialed in um, this year. I think we can all agree that solar is not sexy. I mean, it's it, it's just not. But it is an important part of Tesla's business. The energy side, not just residential, but commercial and industrial uh, parts of the energy business are key to Tesla's success. It's going to be huge. Last week, we talked about Tesla's new inverters, and Elon mentioned that Tesla Solar and the Powerwall were going to be uh, work together better. I can't remember exactly how he put it. But that can only happen, or you assume that can only happen, through the Tesla inverter for the residential stuff. I actually have thoughts on this, but I'm going to save them because this is going to be a really long podcast as it is, and I don't want to uh, unnecessarily string it out. But I will bring it up on in an upcoming podcast when it's appropriate. I'm going to skip the next question, but I will just kind of give you a, a brief synopsis. Somebody asks if current owners would be able to transfer full self-driving from one car to another? And basically the answer was no, but the subscription service will be available in the next month or two. So I'm going to keep an eye on that subscription service. My general thought is that's going to be around $79. So 
if you have thoughts, email me and let me know. Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital. See how close we get. But I think it's, I think it's right around $79 for that subscription a month. Next question is about the 4680 cells and the dry coating and has Tesla made progress on that? Thank you very much. Uh, and the third question is, uh, can you give us a progress update on dry coating of the battery electrode? At the battery day, Elon said, I would not say this is completely in the bag as uh, yet as the yields were low. It's true. The, the in-house cell manufacturing system we revealed at battery day contained uh, new processes and equipment. So we did expect some unknown unknowns and technical challenges to arise through the production ramp. Uh, the Cato team, however, has been able to solve each manufacturing problem presented to date and continues to improve yield and rate week over week and month over month as we move up the production S-curve. Um, at the same time, the cell engineering team's refined designs and deepened understanding has reinforced our confidence in the drive process and 4680 design, meeting our performance and cost targets. Um, and from a capacity perspective, we have 10 gigawatt hours worth of equipment landed at Cato. The production staff is nearly all hired. Our material supply chain is established, and the team is on track for full production ramp this year. Meanwhile, we've developed enough engineering confidence with our 4680 design and the production process and equipment to kick off manufacturing equipment and facility construction to support our 100 gigawatt hour 2022 goal. I know that there are a lot more technically savvy people out there that understood what he just said. I didn't necessarily understand. I probably grasped about 30% of what this guy just said. That was Drew. He was on stage with the Elon at Battery Day. I can't remember Drew's last name. Apologize. But even though I don't really understand this stuff, the technologies behind the batteries and things like that, I find it fascinating and I like listening to them explain it. And I like, I grasp a little bit more each time, you know, I listen to somebody explain how these batteries are working. So to me, this is really all very fascinating. I think you guys know that I get very excited about the battery stuff. I would really like Tesla to just give us an update, like one year from battery day. So what was that like October 2021? Give us an update of where the 4680 batteries are and just kind of tell us about, let's do a post-mortem. How, what were the challenges? How you, how did you overcome those? I think that would be very interesting, especially for the Tesla diehards, but also the Tesla nerdy folks who often, I guess, are the Tesla diehards, but not always. It just, I don't know. To me, this stuff is really fascinating. In our next clip, Elon is going to explain why he's so confident that they're going to reach full self-driving, level five full self-driving in 2021. Let's listen in. Uh, the next question is, um, why are you confident Tesla will achieve level five autonomy in 2021? And why is Dojo not necessary to get there? Um, I, I guess I'm confident based on uh, my understanding of the tech roadmap um, and the, the progress that we're making between uh, each beta iteration. As I was saying, it's, it's now not, not remarkable at all for the car to completely drive you from one uh, location to another through a series of complex intersections. Um, it's, it's now about just improving the corner case reliability um, and getting it you know, to 99.9999% you know, reliable with respect to uh, an accident. Basically, we need to get it to better than, uh, than human by a factor of at least 100% or 200%. Um, and uh, but this is happening rapidly because we've got so much training data 
uh, with, with all the cars in the field. And um, the, the software is improving dramatically. The, we also write the, the software for, uh, for labeling. Um, and I must say, it is quite challenging. We're moving everything towards, to, towards video labeling. So it's all video labeling, all video inference. And um, so there's still a few of the neural nets that need to be upgraded to uh, for, uh, video uh, training and video, and video inference. Um, and really, as we've, as we've transitioned each net to, um, to video, uh, the, the performances become exceptional. Um, so this is like a hard thing with the video, the, 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 the labeling software that we wrote for video labeling, um, making that better has a huge effect on the uh, efficiency of labeling. Uh, and then of course the holy grail is auto labeling. Um, so we're putting a lot of work into having the labeling tool be more uh, efficient when used by a person as, as well as uh, enabling auto labeling where we can. Uh, Dojo uh, is a sort of training supercomputer. Uh, we believe it'll be, we, we think it may be the best uh, neural net training computer in the world by possibly an order of magnitude. Um, so it is, a, it is a whole thing in and of itself. Um, and this is something we could offer potentially as a service. Uh, so uh, if, somebody, if others need neural net training, you know, we're not trying to keep it to ourselves. Um, so this, I think this thing, I think Dojo could be a, a whole line of uh, business in and of itself. Um, and then of course, for training vast amounts of video data uh, and getting the, um, the reliability from say 100% to 200% better than an average human to 2,000% uh, to better than an average human will be very helpful in that regard. You know, it's interesting. If you look at the last, let's see, I've been doing this podcast for four and a half years now. If you look at the last four and a half years and how Elon has talked about full self-driving four and a half years ago versus, and even go all the way back to, you know, the beginning when he started talking about what they needed to ever overcome to get full self-driving to work. It's just kind of evolved and you just kind of hear these same things being hit at each earnings call. And then all of a sudden they disappear and then they have this new thing that they need to do, which is labeling, which is basically the car realizing that a stop sign in a Coke can are two different things. And, you know, the Coke can is not 18 feet tall. The Coke can is, you know, whatever a Coke can is. Like the, the computer doesn't, it sees this stuff, but then it doesn't have this whole reference for how big it is or if it's a worry or not. He talked about this. Elon talked about this more than two years ago. And now it sounds like a lot of that's been solved, but they still need a lot of labeling. Auto labeling obviously would be better than having humans have to go in and do it. But, you know. Um, that's, that's really interesting. And I don't know that that might be a show idea just going back and pulling those clips. Although I don't know if I have enough time to do that. So I will give that to anybody who wants it and take that idea and run with it and then email me so I can listen to it. But anyway, I did think it was interesting that the neural net training 
that they would open that up to other companies because right now they're doing fine without it, but they do see a value for it. And then also that value could potentially have some extra revenue associated with it. So that's cool. The final retail investor question is what is Tesla doing about a service? And I think this is a very fair question. Uh, some Tesla owners are complaining that they buy the car and Tesla's so busy, they don't get back to them. You know, there's problems with the vehicle. They need to get it fixed, but it takes a long time for it to get fixed. So I think this is a fair question and a good one to end on the retail investor questions. And then we'll start into the institutional investors. What is Tesla doing to improve service experience? Tesla had a reputation for outstanding customer service. Now it's impossible to even call a service center and appointments are scheduled weeks out. Jerome? Yes. Um, well, for us, best service, no service. So we, we spent a lot of effort trying to improve the quality and the reliability of our cars. In the last two years, um, the um, frequency of service visits are reduced by one third. So um, people have to, uh, customers have to come less frequently in service, which is really the goal, no service. And if um, service has to take place, we're trying to make it as painless as possible. Uh, one big effort there is to increase mobile service, which is now more than 40% of all visits in North America. We're trying to push that to 50% uh, this year. Um, in um, 50% of service uh, visits uh, last less than two hours. Uh, so we're trying to service the cars very quickly so people can get their vehicles back on the road. And uh, in terms of service appointment, um, it, it continues to improve. We have about uh, we have actually 140 service centers right now in North America. For 100 out of those 140, uh, you can get appointments in less than 10 days. And we're going to make sure it's all service centers uh, are um, have a short wait time. Uh, we're accelerating, as uh, Zach mentioned earlier, the pace of opening. We, in North America, we open 11 uh, centers in December, and we have uh, plans to open 46 in the first half of this year. So that's what we're doing to improve service. Uh, in terms of phones, uh, our uh, emphasis is on the app. Uh, really, we want all communications to go through the app, the Tesla app, uh, and we're trying to move away from the phone. The app is much better than the phone. Um, it can spot directly alerts directly from the car and schedule a service appointment. And there is a re written record of all communication uh, between the customer and the service team. You can have pictures in there. You can take care of your payment without entering the credit card and doing all that stuff. Uh, you get updates on the service, and there's even more uh, features that are going to come uh, in the coming months on the app, and that I think everybody will be happy, including the ability to spot uh, where your service technician is and uh, how far it is to, to coming from your car and what's going on there. So we are investing everything on the app, I think just like most other companies as well, and that's the way of the future. I do tend to agree that not needing service is the best service. Like you build a vehicle that is reliable and you don't need to take it in. That's obviously the best service. However, even if only the, he said a hundred of those uh, service centers, you could get a appointment within 10 days. That's still a lot of days. Like if I go and have a problem with my Mazda, I can get an appointment within, if it's not, the same day, it's within three days. So that number needs to come down significantly. 
from 10, 10 days is not great, especially if your car is not necessarily working. The mobile service is 40% right now. That's really cool because that's one of the reasons why I would like a Tesla is if I, if I need to have the car looked at, they can look at it and I don't have to be inconvenienced because they can do it while I'm at work or while I'm at home. That, that works out really good for me. And I'm really high on this app thing. How many times have you had a phone call with somebody over tech support? They say they're going to note it. And then they make promises and they don't fulfill those promises. That happens all the time. Having the ability to have all of that stuff logged in the app is genius from a customer standpoint. And I'm sure it's important for Tesla as well. But for customers, it kind of puts us on a more level playing field because we're reliant on the person that works for the company to actually make those notes and fulfill those promises. And on top of that, we're also reliant on the next person you call to one, take the time to look those notes up. And two, even if the previous technician did make these promises and did make those notes, there's always a chance that the supervisor of that representative or the representative himself will just choose to ignore that little part of the note. Now, I've worked in a lot of call centers and I can tell you that this will occasionally happen at some shadier call centers. I've worked at some really good ones and I've worked at some really bad ones. So this to me is great. It's a, it places us on some sort of equal footing. And not only that, it's, it's all written down. So if you make a mistake or you misunderstand something, they can point to it. And if they make a promise that they're not fulfilling, you can point to that. I, I think that's a, great. That is, that makes me happy. That's probably (laughs) to this point, that's the most exciting news I've heard in this conference call. Let's start with the institutional investors here. Does Tesla plan or expect to license any of its software applications, FSD and AutoBidder in particular to third-party OEMs? I think we're very open to licensing our software to to third parties. Um, And we've had some preliminary discussions about licensing autopilot to other OEMs. So uh, this is something we're, we're more than happy to do. Um, and, you know, but I think obviously we, like, we need to probably do a little bit more work to prove that Tesla autopilot is capable of full self-driving, um, which like I, said, I think will become obvious later this year. Uh, and then we're more than happy to uh, license that to other car companies. We're, we're definitely not trying to keep it uh, to be a Tesla exclusive situation. Um, and I think probably the same goes for Autobitter. We haven't thought as much about Autobitter, but um, the, the Tesla philosophy is definitely not to create uh, walled gardens. Um, you know, we, we're going to uh, allow other companies to use our supercharger networks um, and, uh, yeah, using our autonomy software and Autobitter and perhaps other things. Uh, would be fine too. I think it's interesting that Elon mentioned that they don't want to be a walled garden because oftentimes that's something they're criticized for, even though they have patents that you can freely use as long as you share back patents into that, you know, cabal system that they have set up. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is we don't hear a lot from AutoBidder about AutoBidder, excuse me, on these conference calls. And I would like to hear more about that, just like I want to hear more about the new Model S and Model X. But he did mention that they would be open to licensing licensing 
autopilot, but he didn't mention full self-driving. So does that mean that they're open to licensing the basic version, which is autopilot at this point, or are they willing to actually go for the full level five, full self-driving, which is really what other car companies are going to want, to be honest. But this is what the full self-driving is one of the things that gives Tesla a little leg up on those companies. So in this next clip, Elon's going to answer a question that I was almost ready to just cut. I was like, uh, this isn't interesting, but he does mention Tesla and their reliance on third-party cell providers. There's a lot of articles out there questioning whether or not Tesla is going to need these third-party cell providers if they're building their own cells. And Elon actually addresses this in this next clip. Is it fair to argue that the best way to think about companies' long-term earnings power is, uh, is tied to profit per unit of battery capacity? Uh, three terawatt hours target from battery day implies half of long-term battery capacity goes to storage, depending on what you assume for pack size on Elon's 20 million uh, vehicle unit goal. Um, yeah, uh, it is. So the, the fundamental limit on electric vehicles right now in general is availability of, um, of cells. What's the output of battery cells in, in, in gigawatt hours? Um, and you can't grow faster than that. Um, now, at Tesla, we've improved the efficiency of our cars dramatically such that you can actually get pretty good range e even with the standard range battery pack. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, in the high, two it's approaching, the, for Model 3, it's approaching the sort of high 200s. Um, and, with, you know, with some slight continued improvements, we'll start to get to, you know, 300 mile range, even with standard pack and you know, on order of 500 kilometers. So um, there's efficiency improvements in the car, but fundamentally the growth is dependent on uh, cell production. Um, and um, there's also a lot of other, other companies that want to, that have a need for cells. So the, but the reason Tesla is doing its own cell production is in order to accelerate the growth. Um, it is not, it is not to, to, make less use of our cell suppliers. In fact, I want to be really clear, Tesla wants to increase purchases from cell suppliers. And we've been very clear with our cell suppliers, uh, you know, whether it be CATL or Panasonic or uh, LG, that we will take as many batteries as they can produce. So, and we, we urge them to increase their uh, production and we will buy as much as they can send to us. Um, obviously, there are some price limits on that because the car still needs to be affordable. Um, but it, it, I'm just trying to be as clear as possible that our goal with uh, making our own cells is not to uh, disintermediate our suppliers. It is to supplement our suppliers. And we want our suppliers of cells to increase their production and, in addition, have our own production that is simply taking up the amount beyond which they are um, either unable or unwilling to increase their production. Um, so it's an acceleration over and above what the most that our suppliers say they can produce for us. Um, and so probably the, you know, since the cell output drives vehicle output, um, 
the and 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 then I mean probably the broad brushstroke value of, of Tesla is just what's the sell output that implies vehicle output and then at least double that for autonomy autonomy revenue um, probably more than double um, and that's that's how you figure out the value of the company I think long term. I don't really have a lot to add on that, but I do think it's interesting and good to put that out there so that we can stop reading articles about how Tesla is going to stop using Panasonic as a supplier and all that other stuff. Someone did ask, <laughs> they asked about a Cybertruck update and I got really excited. And honestly, there was no new information other than if they're really lucky, they'll get some Cybertrucks out in 2021. But Really, the volume production will begin in 2022, and that is that was the most that was the update uh, made me sad. I was hoping to get more information, but basically, on the design side of things, pencils are down. So, and they're bringing in this giant casting machine, like eight tons or something like that, to to cast this monster. But really, no new information there. Just you know depressing a little bit all right all right we're on to the analyst section of the question and answer for the conference call the first analyst question has to do with full self-driving and regulatory approval so let's listen to that question and answer thanks so much guys can you talk a little bit about the regulatory environment for fsd and, and how you're seeing that play out obviously it's a, a bit of a moving target right now, and, and you guys are leading the way here, but we'd love to understand how those conversations are going and how you see that impacting the rollout of FSD uh, throughout the balance of this year and into next year. See, Zach, do you want to talk a little? Zach and draw. You know, the, uh, what, what we're seeing right now in the U.S., for example, is a pretty dynamic space, but it's overall not particularly limiting on a rule basis, but what we're going to expect is have to work with regulators to demonstrate really, really high reliability, as Elon said before. The rest of the world's fairly dynamic. In Europe, we see a general slowdown, uh, generally not reaching past level three right now, uh, with some impetus to start working on new working groups to reach past that. And China's shown an interest in working on level four or even level five later this year. So we expect a pretty dynamic 2021 in the regulatory space. We have leadership in the U.S. looking for uh, manufacturers to demonstrate really good launches and really high reliability before uh, releasing to wider and wider groups. So full self-driving in Europe, you know, not progressing as fast in the rest of the world makes sense to me because Europe is usually a little bit more measured about these things. What did surprise me is that it seems like we're on track in the United States anyway, or maybe North America. I can't remember exactly how he put it. We're on track to hit level five, possibly with regulatory approval this year or sooner than China is, because right now they're looking at level four, level five. I always kind of assumed that uh, China was pushing that technology forward and they were way ahead of us just based on things that we've talked about in the past. But it seems like here in the United States, we are leading in that in that effort. So in one way, that's really scary, but in another way, that's really good to hear. 
In our next clip, we are going to hear them talk about the third-party suppliers and the 4680 battery cells. And this kind of tags on to when Elon was talking about the needing all the battery cells that they can buy. So let's listen to that. I was wondering, you mentioned how you'd like to increase your purchases of cells from suppliers. Um, does this require them to also have the capability to build structural 4680 cells of the sort that you're putting in uh, this, you know, these newer iterations of vehicles? Uh, <clears throat> no, it does not. Um, although we, we are... Uh, talking with them about making the 46A form factor, uh, but they, it, it is not required. Um, for example, the uh, the new the new S currently uses the 18650 form factor, uh, so they're just a more advanced cell, uh, and we think we'll continue to use that form factor for at least a, you know a, a few years. Um, but we, we will over time be retiring the form factors and trying to move to a consistent form factor. So, um, but, but it is not a requirement that we place upon our suppliers because uh, it would it would just result in, in fewer cells. So it's better for us to deal with the complexity of different cell form factors than insist on a single form factor for our, our suppliers today. Like I said, over time, it will make sense to have a consistent form factor. My biggest takeaway here is that the Model S and Model X are still using the 18650 cells. This is a this is, this is cell technology that is 10 years old. It's as old as the Model S. Now, I'm sure they've made improvements on the battery pack and the cell technology in that time. But it's just interesting to me that they're not using the 4680 cells. No, granted, they're probably not ready. Or possibly they didn't want to make that many changes in the Model S and Model X during this revision. But if they're making 4680 cells at Fremont, Model S and Model X are perfect. They're a perfect place to start for putting those cells, in my opinion, simply because they don't sell a lot of Model S and Model Xs compared to the Model 3s and the Model Ys. So, I don't know. Uh, I was almost certain we were going to get some news that they were using the 4680 cells in the new Model S and Model X, but I guess I am wrong. Along the same lines of battery cell technology and constraints, this next question asks Elon if they're going to build a Tesla van. Uh, thanks. Elon, back in uh, 2018, you, you tweeted about electric vans and how it could be interesting to work with, with Daimler and Sprinter. We, we haven't really heard any, of anything since, but in the meantime, we've seen a lot of activity in that electric van and last mile space from a number of established players and startups. Um, so I know you said that you have a lot of projects on the table, but can you provide us an updated of your thoughts on this market, and is it something you're interested in? I think Tesla is definitely going to make an electric van at some point. So the thing to bear in mind is, is, is that there is fundamentally a constraint on battery cell output. Um, the, you know, it, it, it's kind like, if, if, you're, if one is not involved in manufacturing, it's really hard to appreciate just how hard it is to scale production. It's, it's the hardest thing in the world. Um, prototypes are easy. Uh, scaling production is very hard. Um, so, um, uh, you know, a big part of the reason, the main, the main reason we have not uh, accelerated um, new products is, like, for example, the Tesla Semi, 
is that we simply don't have enough sales for it. Like we, we, this, if we were to make the semi, like right now, uh, which we, we could eat, we could easily go into production with the semi, but we would not have enough sales for it right now. Um, we will have sales for enough sales for the semi when we are producing um, the Tesla 4680 in volume. Um, but for example, semi would use typically five times the sell, number of sales that a, that a car would use, um, but it would not sell for five times what a car would sell for. So uh, it, it kind of doesn't make, it would not make sense for us to do the semi right now, but it will absolutely make sense for us to do it as soon as we can um, address the cell production constraint. And the same would go for a van. So I'm sure the startups who is referring to, you know, like Rivian and Workhorse, where they're building these vehicles to deliver the packages for Amazon and the postal service and stuff like that. One of the things that Elon says over and over and over again is capacity. He was talking about capacity for the power walls, the mega packs, the power packs. There's just not enough battery cells. And then he mentions that the right now there's not enough battery cells to even produce the, the Tesla semi. And one of the other things he said uh, that I completely agree with is that uh, manufacturing is hard. Like actually producing these vehicles is extremely difficult. And the example that I always use is, have you ever tried to put together an Ikea, anything from Ikea or anything that came out of a flat box? Like it's maddening. Like, and you have the instructions and everything's pre-cut for you. This is not how manufacturing you know, cars work and it, it's really hard. So even though Rivian or any of these other companies, they have these fantastic looking delivery vans and I applaud them, but let's see how, you know, manufacturing goes for them. Cause I I'm certain that while it makes a really good press release, they're going to be in some sort of production hell. And, you know, we'll learn more about that as we get closer to summertime because Rivian's going to be building their R1S and the R1T. Okay, I, I haven't listened to the the full response of this, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, but the next question asks, I, and I only listened to a little bit because I want to be surprised with you guys, and it may blow up in my face and be terrible, but I'm going to leave it in no matter what. The next question this guy asks that uh, Elon said a couple of years ago that once they produce a mass market car, he'll step down as CEO. So let's listen to see how that goes. I'm sure this well, is going to be We're trying to put together all the breadcrumbs. If I remember correctly, going back you know, 10 years, um, you talked about when you had a mass market car on the road that you would step down as CEO um, and be a chief architect. And then, and then we have, you know, you go into Hawaii to see Larry um, and the, the X.com. And I'm trying to put it all together. <laughs> there's a lot of questions there. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Um, well, um, I, I expect to be CEO of Tesla for you know, several years. Uh, so um, I think there's, there's still a lot that I'm super excited about doing. And, um, and I think uh, it would be hard to leave a, a lot of these great projects halfway or part like part way done. So, um, yeah, I, I do expect to be running a company for, for several years into the future. Um, now obviously nobody, you know, nobody is or should be CEO forever. Um, uh, 
So I don't, I don't expect to be if, 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 like the, uh, the sheer amount of work required to be CEO of Tesla is, is insane. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I do, I think I do probably more, well, I definitely do more technical work than is typical for a CEO. So um, it, it, it would be nice to have a bit more free time on my hands um, as opposed to just <laughs> working day and night <laughs> from when I wake up to go to when I go to sleep seven days a week pretty intense um so but i think the, the mission isn't over yet and and we're still got a long way to go before we um can really make a dent in the world on accelerating the advent of sustainable energy um i mean the, the goal of tesla from the beginning uh, has been to accelerate 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 sustainable energy and but if you say like what percentage of cars on the road are electric today it's all very, very tiny, like on order of 1%, or I think less than 1% of the total fleet worldwide. So, it, so that's, that's still a hell of a long way to go for, you know, quote on the order of 1% of the fleet is electric. Um, there's also a tremendous way to go on solar power, although it's exciting to see the, the, um, the advent of uh, very cost competitive wind and solar and geothermal and uh and of course we we need a large volume of stationary battery packs i mean but basically the the I mean the three legs of a sustainable energy future are uh sustainable energy generation via you know solar wind geothermal and hydro and a few others and i'm and i'm and i'm actually not against uh nuclear fission i actually think nuclear fission is you know with with a well designed reactor in a situation that is not subject to uh bad weather or, or seriously bad weather is, is actually, it is a good thing to do. So, um, and then, but then the second thing you need is you need stationary storage, you need batteries, uh, because, uh, most renewable energy is intermittent. It doesn't, the wind doesn't blow all the time. The sun doesn't shine all the time. So you need a lot of batteries, uh, and, and they need to be very long lasting and high cycle life. And then you need electric transport. And if you have those, those, those three things, we've got a, a very bright future with respect to, uh, energy and the and the environment, so still a long way to go on that, and so, so I'm still you know very much fired up to work on that. Okay, so <laughs> still a good answer. Not as not as exciting as I thought it would be, but it's still a good answer. Um, Elon has really mellowed with age, and you know more success with Tesla. That that would not have gone well had he. Uh, if this was in the production hell part of of Tesla's time frame. Our last question is with Gene Munster of Loop Ventures, and he asks whether it's better to do like a hydrogen hybrid, hybrid battery for the semi, or it's, you know, better to just go with regular batteries. So let's listen to the team's answer on that. My, my follow-up question was related to if you could just help explain why battery electric uh, will win versus hydrogen cell fuel tech. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I've had this question a million times for just for regular vehicles, even back in the early Roadster days, even before we had the Roadster out, people were saying, you know, that somehow hydrogen is going to be a better means of energy storage in a, in a, in a car than um, and batteries, and it's like this is just really not the case. Um, you know, hydrogen is a very—it's number one on the periodic, periodic table. It's got very low density. 
um, it's uh, it's got low density as a liquid. It's like styrofoam level density as liquid. And then it's only a liquid very close to absolute zero. So you have to have a, it's really not realistic to keep it as liquid. You want to have it as a high pressure gas. That has even lower density. So you need a gigantic fuel tank um, volumetrically. And it's got to be very high pressure. It's a big pain in the ass, basically. Um, if somebody was going to say use an alternate uh, chemical energy, energy storage mechanism to hydrogen, I'd say they should use propane or something like that, or methane, or th- th- those would be way better than hydrogen. Um, and then having it be a fuel cell just adds even further complications to the situation. It, it's just crazy, basically. Um, and uh, it, we're extremely confident that we could do long-range trucking with uh, with batteries. <laughs> the, the math works out. You don't. If you could just like take say what hours per kilogram of currently available cells and say okay how, you know how, how many what what weight would you need to go let's say 500 miles um and you know to what degree does that affect your payload and it's like okay you can do this if you do it right you basically have no effect on your payload or almost nothing um and you can have a long-range truck i mean drone do you want to add to that no i agree uh, and uh, um, we um, uh, we see also an increase on um, the regi- regionalization of trucks, uh, and I think it will be perfect. Uh, the the Tesla Semi will be perfect for it. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm very look- I'm looking forward to having some additional ones on the road very soon. But basically, we do not see any um, issues with creating a compelling long-range truck with batteries. Right, apart, from, apart from self supply, self supply is the only thing. Self yeah. supply is it. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. All right, everybody, that is our show. We finished in an hour. I didn't think it was going to happen because this whole conference call was an hour. So that means, you know, I got to cut some stuff out. And I, I think I cut the boring stuff out and left the interesting stuff. Although, uh, I'm not disappointed in this earnings call, but it wasn't one of the best ones. I'm not going to lie, but I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope that you learned something and I hope that, uh, you had a great week and you're going to have another great week because, you know, it sucks right now. <laughs> I'm so tired. Sorry. It is, uh, it is 1109. So I started this at nine, two hours. I'm, my brain is dead, but yeah, I do. I do sincerely hope that you guys have a great week. I hope that, uh, I hope that my brain doesn't melt and come out my ears right now. Uh, <laughs> sorry. You can email me. It's Bodie, B O D I E at nine one eight digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at nine one eight digital. I don't really tweet about stuff about Tesla, but I follow a lot of really cool people and retweet their stuff. Um, and I'll occasionally try to chime in on somebody's thing and make me leave a pithy, funny comment. And you can also direct message me there if you like. So at 918 Digital, everyone have a great week. I'm going to go to bed. Take care.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.